Hey, good morning. Good morning. How's everyone? Good. Very good. Uh, I want to welcome you. My name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, you're stuck with me today. I'm going to be sharing the message. Uh, I want to welcome everyone online that's uh, watching live or streaming later. I especially want to welcome uh, folks that are guests. I, I recognize that church for a lot of people is, is, can be a scary place. And uh, I just want to thank you for your courage to, uh, to come check us out. Uh, we've been saying around here for a while that Kesset is a place for people who are spiritually curious. Uh, you know, a place for people that, that, uh, that have questions and, and want to uh, wrestle with God and want to maybe wrestle with whether or not there even is a God. And this is a place that you can do that. So thank you so much. Uh, let me say to all of the Christ followers in the room, especially folks who call Kesset home, uh, summer is an interesting time for church. People, especially around the Northwest, uh, basically sun and Seahawks kill church. That's how that works. So if the Seahawks make it in the, play, in the playoffs, you know, it's just, and, and sun, because there's not so much around it. Uh, but I want to encourage you this, uh, this summer to, to make going to church part of what you do, uh, even if it's just attending online. I know there's lots of travel and all that stuff. Uh, primarily so that you can stay connected with what we're doing and all the vision that's going to be happening this summer for fall. Uh, also, uh, consider inviting someone. Uh, there's a lot of people in your life that, that I know I see your faces, I see your faces, that, that uh, would probably come if you invited them because you don't seem super churchy. And uh, you like that about yourself, and <laughs> you like that about yourself, and you don't want to change that at work and let people know that you're really an undercover churchgoer. But uh, I'm just here to, to tell you that this is a place for, uh, for people to come and uh, experience community and, and hopefully experience maybe even you uh, in a different environment. So uh, great job of, you know, building the community you have, but consider pulling them in to uh, some of what's happening here because there's a lot of neat things happening this summer as well as uh, in the fall, which we'll tell you about later, um, later just before we launch all that. Um, we are launching a brand new series today called Choose Your Own Adventure. So I'm going to intro it, and then uh, we're gonna, I'm going to explain it. And my hope is that you decide today to, to buy in for the, the, this summer series, because that's, that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, let me just give you a little bit of a kind of a, a background. So Choose Your Own Adventure is a teaching series about the Bible and how to experience it. So our hope here is to, as much as we love people coming to church, I just did my, my invite push, and as much as we love people being a part of the community, ultimately all that is to focus them into a relationship with God. That happens through prayer, that happens through worship, that happens through, of course, uh, service experiences and, and podcasts and books and all those things. But ultimately, where it really kind of is, is built and what it is founded on is his word and is the Bible. Now, the Bible, let's just be honest, because we're just going to call it like it is, for a lot of us in the room is an intimidating, complex, and boring book. And you laugh because you're like, at least he said it. <laughs> now, it's not for everyone. I, I don't want to generalize. But, but for a lot of us, it's just a little too complex. It's a little too intimidating. And it is very, very boring if you don't in any way understand how to hook up with it. And so we are hoping to, uh, to reverse engineer some of that by pulling apart the Bible in a different way over the next eight weeks. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Now, here's some very practical goals for how we're going to do that. First, one of our goals is to introduce the Bible in a way that is real life applicable to your story. So real life applicable. It's not a book about people 
2,000 or 3,000 years ago and what happened to them and what am I supposed to do with that? And it's a book that is supposed to apply to you right now where you're at. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to explain why the Bible carries an inherent authority within our lives and within itself. Meaning that it's not supposed to be a book that when it's, when it's teaching you something and you, it's connecting pieces and you're starting to realize, oh, okay, that's what that means, that you then go, well, I don't know if I want to hook up with that or not. It's supposed to have an authority around how it is deployed in your life. And then next, we want to teach how to engage with the Bible in a practical day-to-day way, not just a Sunday morning or Thursday service, but a practical day-to-day way. The Bible describes itself uh, in lots of different ways, but here's a few that I think will kind of support those last few things that we talked about. First, it describes itself as useful. The Bible is useful. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is profitable for teaching. The Bible is useful, but you have to be willing to spend time in it in order to understand and receive that concept. The Bible is also true. Psalm 12, 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. The Bible is true, and the Bible always supports the Bible. You don't need me to explain it. You don't need a podcast to explain it. The Bible explains the Bible, and this is part of its interlocking way of proving that it is true about what it says. Lastly, the Bible is authoritative. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, this is supporting back to this idea of engaging with the Bible in a practical way and receiving its authority. The Bible is authoritative, and it does Uh, It does bring a lot of levity to the different situations in our lives, but only if we allow it to carry the authority that it has always been intended to carry. Now, a lot of us have been studying the Bible a long time. Not all of us, but some of us. So let me just say that uh, D.L. Moody said, I never saw a Christian, I never saw a useful Christian who was not a student of the Bible. This is how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be more than just something we open on, on at a church service. My very good friend Charles Spurgeon said, nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. Just because you have been reading the Bible your whole life doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't have more to show you. And so that's what the series is about. This is what the Bible claims to be. This is not what I'm teaching. This is what the Bible claims to be. But that doesn't mean this is how we use it. Instead, We often use it like a book of laws to pass judgment by or a bat to beat others down with or a tool to leverage against our foes so that we may grow in power and influence. And if you haven't used it that way, if you stay in a normal kind of kind of normal Bible based church, a lot of the times it does end up feeling like it's being taught to be used that way or worse as an excuse or reason for why we are allowed to treat some people so poorly and let others slide by. We're like, well, they're out and we're in. This is where God's at. Outside these walls, well, that's where the lost people are. The Bible supports uh, this idea that we are actually not supposed to be people who are out and in, but people who follow God wherever he leads, following his authority, following his truth, following his usefulness. God is all those things. But we somehow have taken this book 
a lot of the times, I, I want to be careful not to generalize, but a lot of the times we have taken it and instead we have built a defensive posture behind it so that we can protect ourselves from the world and all the damage it could cause us. And then there's another group of people in here, and you're the people that have received that kind of judgment and that kind of outcasting and that kind of hurt by others who use the Bible to do it. So the last thing you want to do is talk about the Bible for summer. Who wants to talk about the, the, the great wounding, the great weapon? I do. Because I believe that it's going to be a powerful thing to redeem in your life, and I don't believe that's ever how it was intended to be used. The Bible is an invitation. The Bible is offering a relationship. So practically speaking, how did we move the Bible to this place? Not just because it was, it, it was something that ended up happening or it just happened all of a sudden. It's something that I think we did with a lot of intentionality. I propose that for many of us, it all started with the spiritual posture we took while reading it. Not just a spiritual posture of defense, but sometimes we took the Bible and used it as an offensive weapon. Either way, we hid behind its pages. But I propose that there's a different way to read this book. And I believe the, what we're supposed to do is instead read the Bible from a spiritual posture of adventure. That's going to be the spiritual posture we take in this series. I'm going to put up a provocative statement. Some of you are going to go, yes, probably 10 or 15%. The others of you are going to go, I don't think so. And then I'm going to prove why you're wrong. The Bible is the ultimate real-time adventure book. That's what I thought. 10% of you are with me. You don't know why you're with me yet, so pushovers. <laughs> the other 90 or 80% of you are in the room like, mm, no, I told you already, the Bible's boring, complex, and intimidating. I don't think any of us use the word adventure, Danny, so uh, I think you're a little off track here in your notes. But I'm prepared. I believe the Bible is the real-time adventure book. I'm just going to make a really simple statement. I would like you to ponder it. The Bible is a collection of stories of people going on adventures. <laughs> like it's a literal collection of people going on adventures. Peter's out fishing and this dude shows up on the shore. I think it's a misty day. Peter's frustrated. The man on the shore says, hey, Peter. He's like, do I know him? I don't think I do. Throw your net on the other side. Who's this dude think he is? Throw your net on the other side, bro. So he throws his net on the other side and his boat almost gets sunk by magic fish. <laughs> Peter's like, who is this guy? Next thing you know, they have a campfire conversation, probably eating some of the fish. And that very day, Peter goes home to his wife and he's like, hey, I think I'm supposed to like start a new career. <laughs> what? What are you going to do? You're going to do something with fishing? Yeah, a little bit different fishing. I'm going to be a fisher of men. And I'm going to follow this guy I just met on the shore today because he has magic fish. Like seriously, so many magic fish. And, and uh, I'm just going to travel around with him and, and we're going to find other people doing other stuff and then they're going to come. It's a book of adventures. And you might think, well, I don't, I don't know. That's a lot to, to say it's a book of adventures. And I might say, you need to, you need to just back up a little bit because you're not in charge of what's going on today. Let me just give you this definition of adventure. An adventure is an unusual and exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. The Bible is a book of people going on adventures. Why don't we read it that way? Why don't we not only read it that it's a book of people going on adventures, it's a book inviting us to go on an adventure. 
It's a book of us to go on and have an unusual and exciting, sometimes hazardous, experience or activity with God. I will, I'm just going to be honest. I don't meet a lot of Christians in church services where I'm like, you know what? That person smells like an adventurer. <laughs> like, when's the last time you did that? You might meet some missionaries. That's why they're so profound. They come in with their scraggly beard and long hair and they tell their stories. And we're like, unbelievable. Look what God's doing in their lives. Anyways, good service, right? We just, we just, <laughs> we just don't, like, we don't understand that it's for us. It's for you. It's a book of people going on adventures with God. And you're supposed to read it with that posture in mind. But for many of us, our life, especially our spiritual or faith life, has lost this part of its flavor. And I want it back. How do we get it back? That's what the series is about. Well, the first thing you do to get it back, according to Scripture, is read Scripture. That's profound. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law, this is God talking to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Listen to this last line. And then you will have good success. This is one of the only times in scripture where you, we hear God referring to something as successful. And what is he tying it to? Studying and maintaining the book of the law that Joshua had. Now, Joshua was an interesting character. I love leadership. I love studying leadership. I don't know if there's a leader in the Bible I, other than Jesus that I would not want to follow as much as Moses. And I mean, follow like he dies and it's my turn. Like Moses talked with God. Moses had a staff that split seas. Moses came down from a mountain one time and literally was glowing so much they had to put a bag over his head. I have one dream. I want to preach one sermon where I'm just glowing brightly. But I know I, know I can't because I know I would utilize it for my own good. I would shut down all the lights, right? And I would create this big moment. And I'd be like, look, look, right? It would be, it'd be terrible. Moses didn't do any of that because Moses was so humble hearted. And then he dies and there's Joshua like, and your turn. Take these people across the Jordan and conquer the land I get, gave you. And, and I don't, if I was Joshua, I'd be like, why, don't, why, why couldn't you just keep Moses alive just a couple more years? Just send his glowing body into the land, right? And everybody, why me? And God's like, Joshua, listen, I've already given you the book. I've already given you the law. Stay true to the words I give you and you will be successful. Joshua's call was to live out his life in an adventure, to cross a river and follow a God and a man. And this is one of the most adventurous stories ever. And all of it comes from the book. This is who we're called to be, specific to our callings. People ask me all the time, uh, you know, can you define success for Kesed? And I say, more importantly, I can define success for me. And therefore, I think I can define success for this, this church that I'm a part of. I believe success is being obedient to the calling God has on your life, no matter what it is. That's success. You are successful if you are a missionary in a field by yourself with four people God has called you to reach, or you're successful if you're called to stand on a stage and reach 100,000. You're successful if you're supposed to do powerful corporate work and be a light for God. You're successful if you're a stay-at-home dad. You're successful if, if you are doing whatever it is God has called you to do. If, 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 if you are basing that obedience on this book, 
not on your ideas, your plans, the way in which you want to prosper, whatever that means. Your version of you, by the way, just this is a side note. This is extra because there's somebody in the room fighting me. I have a word real quick. Your version of you is far less than God's version of you. So just let your version die and exchange it for his. You're not gonna, that's fine. But I do think you'll spend time in this book. And if you do, you will find your adventure here waiting. And then you can make a choice whether or not you want to live the adventurous life God has for you or the one you have pre-planned. Because I can promise you, you're going to be an old man or an old woman sitting in your bed staring at the ceiling wondering if you didn't follow God's adventure what your life could have been. That's what it is. This is what it's offering. We have a choice to make whether or not we will take it serious or whether or not we will leave it dusty on the shelf at home. All right, I'm going to go back to my notes now. Whoever that was, that was your fault. You need to come more prepared for service because I I can't keep getting distracted by by all that's going on in your heart. (laughs) God's word is what we are called to experience in order to reignite the areas in our life that are apathetic. Not great sermons, not great worship. God's word, all the rest comes out of that. So that's exactly what we're going to do here in our services. Now, we need to be authentic because one might say, one being me, but church is the last place someone could experience this kind of adventure reading and study. Everything in church is scripted, and thought out ahead of time. I don't know if you know this, but I have 22 minutes and 31 seconds left to speak to you. I wasn't confused by how many songs we have, and I'm not confused by what's going to happen at the end of service. This is stuff that's prayed about, thought about, and, and stuff that I have zero problem crafting and, and being obedient to my God about the gifts and the way in which I'm supposed to spend my life. But if we're going to do adventure-style teaching, we have to admit life doesn't work based on a clock at the back of the room. And life doesn't happen how it happens here. Life is full of impractical situations, obstacles, and even sometimes just utter nonsense. Can I get an amen? Amen. And you're right. The current structure and rules of church services, specifically messages, as we know them, don't allow for this kind of adventure teaching. So for this series, we're just going to change the structure and the rules. We're going to do it different. To keep adventuring... In the forefront, we're going to set some awkward real-time guidelines for our presenters throughout this series and the rest of summer. There's a way to do this that I've seen done in a sloppy way, and then there's the way that I think we're going to do it. The sloppy way is this. And they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. (laughs) Apparently we're teaching on Jonah today. I, I think that'd be fun. I, I, don't, I, don't know how, uh, I don't know how thoughtful it would be, but, but that's not what we're going to do. Instead, we are all going to start with where we got the title of our series from in the first place. The ever-popular, launched in 1979 book series entitled Choose Your Own Adventure. Anybody read these books as a kid? Yep. Between 1979 and 1999, this series sold over 250 million copies worldwide and was translated into 38 languages. Let me explain what it's about. Written in the second person, the reader navigates the story, and at the bottom of each page, there is a decision point. For example, if you go in search of the Yeti, turn to page 11. If you think it is safest to stay put and call for help, turn to page 25. 
By reading and choosing, people can become more engaged, making the Choose Your Own Adventure series a stealth reading program for reluctant readers. (laughs) Like you. (laughs) You see, we believe that for so many, for so many, For so many applications, the Bible is written exactly this way. There are so many outcomes depending on the scripture you're reading and whether or not you decide to take in and trust what you're reading or whether or not you decide to leave it alone. Meaning you can read a passage and you can say, nope, not me, and move on with your day. Or you can read a passage and go, okay, I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to read further. I'm going to study more. I'm going to get into the context behind this page. And you can adventure with the book. Or you can choose not to. Now, I want to be very careful because anytime we get clever or creative, sometimes we can lose our clearness. And I love clever. I love creative. I'm an artist at heart. But I will not in any way uh, tear apart the foundation of what the book and what it's intended to be. So allow me just to say this. The Bible is a written call to relationship and adventure with God. He is the author of our lives, and he has never been surprised by a single choice we've made with his book. In other words, just like the real Choose Your Own Adventure books or the modern Choose Your Own Adventure books, the author always knows the ending already. Herein lies some caution. The Bible and its purposes, as I said, belong to God. And because of how well it can meet our needs in a day-to-day way, we would come, if we're not careful, to think of it as something we get to control or as if we ourselves are the author because we believe we have the power to choose or not choose whether Scripture is applicable to us. That is not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying you have the power to choose whether or not you believe that Scripture is applicable to you. It doesn't change that the scripture is applicable to you, but it certainly changes how you dance with the book and therefore the adventure you experience. In other words, and I have an image for us, I want to tear down all of the hypocritical spiritual ivy while leaving the bricks. But if you're not careful, you could start digging into those bricks. Well, I've decided this scripture is not applicable, therefore the scripture is not true. I've decided I, uh, because my friends are uh, engaging in that, I'm not going to engage in that. I'm going to engage in this. And suddenly you pick and choose, and you don't read the hard parts of the Bible that actually convict you. You just read the parts of the Bible that prove your argument true. That's not what we're doing. What we are doing, though, is choosing to dive into the book, follow it where it goes, all the way down the rabbit hole to the end where it applies to your heart and your story in a way that transforms you forever. So in that way, you can very much choose to follow this adventure with God. So, because we want to see this adventure in the page come to life, and because we have decided that often experiences in church services don't illustrate the complexity of life lived outside these walls, we have decided to do, over the next eight weeks, a completely adventure-based approach to teaching the Bible. This is the structure of Kesed teaching for this series. Each presenter throughout the series must choose a cover and a title of a choose-your-own-adventure book, and then working from the premise that this title represents some sort of odd season of life or impractical situation or experience, they must then approach Scripture with the purpose in mind that for many an occasion, the Bible can meet any situation in real time, no matter the complexity or nonsense presented before them. For example, let's just say this week's 
Choose Your Own Adventure book was the very popular 1987 release of Space Vampire. <laughs> which, by the way, I've taken full advantage of and is the name of this message. <laughs> Share with your friends. All people are going to see on Kessid's post is just Kessid, weekend message, Space Vampire. What is happening at this church? Space Vampire. Here's the synopsis. A bloodthirsty vampire from a distant planet has occupied a spaceship in the outer reaches of the solar system. As the Space Academy's top recruit, it's your job to capture the vampire before he reaches Earth, Earth, where the alien creature plans to feast on the planet's population. But as soon as you board his spacecraft, the vampire immediately corners you. What should you do? If you jump into the spaceship's escape capsule and blast your way through the emergency hatch, turn to page 42. If you face the vampire and try to outwit him, turn to page 32. But watch out! The space vampire has a strange power over humans. If you're not careful, you could become a vampire yourself. Or you might find your way to the vampire planet where you can negotiate a truth with the vampire chief. Who knew? I didn't know vampires had planets. Did you guys know that? And they have a chief? I didn't know this. What happens next in the story depends on the choices you make. Only you can find out how the story ends. So let's just say this was the book that we're going to teach on. Let's just say that, that the concept, the arching concept of this book is, is kind of this idea that there's two things that suddenly approach you that don't fit together, like space and vampires. <laughs> let's just be clear. Life does this to us all the time. Life brings things to our stories all the time. Some of the most frustrating seasons of my life are when two things are brought together that just don't fit together. Like when I bought a new car and then got laid off. Anybody been there? Yep. How about you make a new friend only to lose your best one? How about you have the most delicious meal you've ever had in your life only to experience 48 hours of terror-rending food poisoning? Yeah, some people in here, you've had your, oh. <laughs> or what about, what about your favorite holiday, the entire family's together, and then you just get into a good old fight? Like just a good old Christmas fight. You ever had one of those where you're like, Merry Christmas, and I remember now why I hate your face. Like just a good old, just a good old Christmas fight. Like they just don't work as you're just yelling at your brother, you know, across the Christmas tree, you know, while your wife's just sobbing into her eggnog, you know, like, man, I love this holiday. It's just, that stuff's no good. We've all been here. We've been, <laughs> got too personal there just for a second. Okay, just some stuff spilled out. So, but the idea is that stuff fits together. The idea is that stuff's supposed to, and that's how you get through it. But what happens when it doesn't? Like when space vampires show up and you got to decide whether or not you're going to go negotiate with uh, the chief or not, which is exactly the choice I would make because I don't want him to eat all my friends or infest my planet. <laughs> I just want you to know for what it's worth that we, when we, we don't stream Thursdays, but we stream nine o'clock and the online team let me know that multiple people said in the caption, I'm buying this book right now. <laughs> and I just want to be clear. This is the book I'm talking about, not this book. <laughs> Just want to be very clear. You're like, I love this series. I'm excited. I'm going to dive right into that. That's, we're going to have Space Vampire Small Group starting next week. It's going to be so exciting. If you guys want to join, you can be a part of all that Kesson's doing here for the community. So <laughs> that's not what I was talking about. 
But that's what happens when you lead a church full of all kinds of people. And I, I love it. I think the most recent thing that happened uh, in my story where two things didn't fit together was when my wife and I, uh, earlier this year, for the very first time in our lives, went to a Disney park without our children. And it was magical. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It's, at, those of you who haven't gone without your kids, I'm just here to tell you, you should try it. Just leave them at home and sneak off like we did. I know it seems cruel, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to make your marriage stronger. So that's, that's what we did. Uh, we ended up going with my wife's parents, which was a blast. Uh, so it was just us four adults and we went. And I remember that uh, we had to wait a long time. I think the longest uh, line we went to uh, might have been for Pirates of the Caribbean. And we were in line for Pirates for a long time. We finally got on the ride. It's one of my wife's favorite rides. And while we were on there, all of a sudden, my daughter, Elena, starts texting me, texting me, texting me. And I'm like, no, no, I'm on an adventure without you, right? And so I'm just silent, silent, silent. And then she starts calling, calling, calling. And I'm like, no, no, right? This is like a four and a half minute ride with your mom and me and Yoho bottle of rum. Like, this is not your time. <laughs> this is not your time. And then she does, this is how, this is how, uh, this is Elena just to a key. And you know, you know when you lose your phone and you ping it? And it just forces the phone to start making this annoying pinging noise that no matter what you do to it, you have to like slide. She starts pinging me on Pirates of the Caribbean with all these people around like ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, oh. So I answer the phone and I guess I sounded irritated and I said a quote that now she has said back to me multiple times, which is, um, I'm on Pirates right now. So to, this day, <laughs> so to this day, if I can't get a hold of her, I'll answer her, or she'll finally answer. And she'll be like, um, I'm on Pirates right now. But here's what ended up happening. I was frustrated. I said, um, I'm on Pirates right now. And she said, um, I'm on the phone with the police right now. And I was like, what? And apparently her car had got stolen. And we had to have a whole conversation about what she was going to do next. I'm hunched down inside the little Pirates boat, right? People all around, shh, shh, shh. Aaron's like doesn't know what's going on and she's like just hang up on her just hang up on her right <laughs> this is me time right she's she's trying to get into it and I'm down there like well just tell the sergeant you don't know insurance was in the inside the glove box like just none of it fit together this is how life happens it happens all the time that way and then here's what happens we then take that and someone says you should go to a bible study you should go to church and we're like what are we going to do with how life works and how boring and complex the bible is but what you don't realize is that the Bible could teach a master class in things that don't fit together, if you're willing to read it. For instance, some of our favorite verses, verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord's plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and on and on and on. We love this verse. We love this verse. We hand it to people when, they're, uh, when they want encouragement. But what you don't realize is that verse was given to Jeremiah while all the people he was helping lead were in exile. God's like, I got you. What do you mean you got me? We're all slaves. Couldn't you have got us like before they drug us into the far distant land? And God's like, hey, I'm here with you. I got you. And you don't, there's a lot of beauty in that story, but we don't allow the two things not to sit together. This captivity, this difficulty, this, this ugly season where God says, hey, I got you. I'm here with you. We just preach it in one way and we leave out the other half. Or how about uh, the more popular truth and love idea. See, truth and love is a profound thing because I don't know if you realize this or not, but chances are you are more one of or the other. Uh, I am far more of a truth person 
And my wife is far, far, far more of a love person. And here's the problem when you're far more of one and don't have balance is you can end up being someone that does nothing but truth and just tells people all the things that are wrong with them at Christmas while your wife cries an eggnog. You're like, listen, this is, this is what it is, man. You're just going to deal with it, right? Just face it down. And, and, and <laughs> for, I had a season where I just told people to die a little bit. I don't know what I was thinking, but I'd be like, he's got to die a little bit. He's got to die. And I had some good verses to back it up, like, you know, the, the whole die is gain stuff, but I didn't really have good context or good love for how I was saying it. I was just walking around telling people you're struggling. You probably just got to die a little bit. You should die and you should die and you should die and you should die. Right? I was just, it wasn't, it wasn't kind. Now my wife, now my wife on the other hand, my wife on the other hand, she is someone who loves and will sometimes love so much that people will get almost abusive with how they approach her and the things she lets into her world because she's just like, I love you and no boundaries and I love you and no boundaries and I love you. And those two things can, are both very destructive to you as a person and to the people you are supposed to be doing life with. That's why the Bible says to have both truth and love and to recognize which one you lean into more. Okay, when, when uh, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, This is his truth and love verse. This is what he says. Chapter 1, verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. So this is my wife's angle about, no, our love doesn't hit a limit. You love people more and more and more. But then he says, I pray that you love them more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So I would say, but you're supposed to grow in wisdom. You're supposed to ask questions about why. You're supposed to speak the truth about what you're learning. And then he combines them, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. In essence, you will have much success. Now here's here's what I'm offering in this series, and here's where you have to decide whether you're in or out. This is going to be what we call the adventure verse of the week. We're going to post it on, the, on all the stuff that Aaron told you about on, online and on the app and all the stuff. And if you're, if you're willing, your job is to read this verse every day or morning and night or three times a week, whatever you can do that, that you feel good about, to read the verse and ask what God is asking of you to reveal or asking of you to hand over or asking of you to pick up. Now, when I first read this verse, it fits perfect. Into, my, uh, into what I'm talking with you about today. Okay, I need to be somebody who doesn't limit his love, which is a natural probably thing that I would do, and someone who increases his truth, which is something I'm more willing to engage. My wife would be the opposite, and we would have discussions about that. But I wanted to adventure read along with you, so I read this verse over and over and over, and all of a sudden, that phrase at the end that if I can do this, hold the tension of truth and love in my person and talk about it with people that I do life with, then the righteous character produced in your life, that righteous character comes from what? The line before that, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. I started pondering, the fruit of my salvation. Do you remember when you were saved, those of you who've come to Christ? Do you remember the adventure that was set before you when you realized that God offered to transform you into something you never were before? When he offered to overcome the things that were keeping you where you were stuck at? Do you remember the calling like Peter to to sell the fishing boat and to meet with his wife and to be like, hey, I'm going to follow this guy. He has magic fish. Do you remember when you came to Christ? 
how excited you were and how you would tell every person you met, you were that annoying person. Do you remember that? Everybody, you were like, you got to come to church. You got to meet Jesus. You got to spend time with God. You got to realize he has so much for you. And you were on fire, as we like to say around here. And then do you remember when your fire started to dim and then your fire actually got lost for a while and and then your fire became really private and really personal. Well, my faith's really, it's really personal to me. That's why I don't share it with anybody. It's, it's mine. It's, it's under a little basket that I keep under the bed. I think there's a verse for that somewhere. Do you remember when you decided not to be an adventurer? So no, long, no wonder you wrestle and I wrestle with truth and love because the fruit of my salvation has been diminished to the point that I can barely find it. That's what stands out to me when I adventure read the verse. Not the obvious that life happens, like space and vampires. That's full of nonsense, but it's kind of a practical way to approach Scripture. But Scripture not just says that life happens, it also says that the fruit of your salvation, remembering where you came from and the transformation God offered, is how you reignite and relight and rediscuss and rehold with great passion your truth, and your love? Do you remember when the possibilities were endless in this journey with God and the fruit was everywhere and it was a call to an unknown adventure? I want to compare for you, and it's hard for you because you don't stand up here and so you can't see your faces, but I think you can feel it. When I said at the beginning of the talk, maybe you should invite a friend. I don't know if you knew this, but most of you went... And I called it out, and I was like, I know, I, I get it. But do you remember when it wasn't like that? So I would want you to hold that, that, that place, that feeling of inviting a friend. And I want you to recognize that a lot of that feeling comes from most of us not feeling like either we have a place to invite them to where they can come and ask hard questions, but a lot of it comes, to the, it comes from the idea that we don't feel worthy enough to expose to people this God that we follow and we know we've hidden our light. I want to compare that face with the faces of the people who were baptized two weeks ago here in our service. Not for shame's sake, but just so that you can remember what your face and what your spiritual posture used to look like. And then I'm going to talk to you about how we're going to get it back. Please watch.
Those are the faces of people walking out their faith with God in real time, and every single one of them is following him into the unknown. Every one of them knows that they didn't have their stuff worked out before they got in those waters. I know because I clarified, that's what I say. I say, do you recognize there's nothing magical about this water? Do you recognize that this is just about you and God and him receiving you and all that you are and wherever he wants to go? You see, you are called to live your life out successfully, which means following the adventure that he has designed for you. And some of you, even though you have, you have been successful by the world's standards beyond your wildest dreams, you still ache because you know you're not where you're supposed to be. Some of you are in lifestyles, you know you're not where you're supposed to be. Some of you are in relationships, you know that you're not supposed to be. Some of you are so church hurt that you've been fighting this entire service. And my prayer for you is you keep showing up the next eight weeks, you fight it out. Don't you give that up because that's sacred space for you and God. That's Jacob wrestling in the tent space. That's where you get to walk with a limp like me because that's exactly how Jacob left and that's the beauty of what God wants to give you. He'll receive you just how you are, but it's your decision whether or not you want to follow into that adventure to make this place, to make this part of your story. There was one woman in the video, you saw her, she was crying quite hard. This is a picture of her, and her name is Kimber. And what you don't know about Kimber is that Kimber climbed into those waters with a very recent, very serious breast cancer diagnosis. And she climbed into those waters, and I knew that, and she knew that I knew that. And we had our conversation, but then later, Kimber sent this email. She says, what was true in every cell in my body was that while I knew I was in a room of people, it felt like the only people I could feel were me, Danny, and God. I knew people were watching, but I didn't feel like I was being watched. I wasn't thinking about them. I didn't care what they thought. This was for me and him. The only things I remember thinking were being proud of myself when I sobbed really loud and didn't care or start holding back and how true the lyrics of the song felt in that moment and how happy I was that the enemy didn't win. For the song said, the enemy thought he had me and Jesus said, you are mine. I could feel it drumming in my heart as Danny spoke to me and it was just exactly what was supposed to happen. Right now, I don't feel joy but I don't feel pain either. I don't feel excited, but I don't feel afraid. I feel at ease, which is all I've been praying for. A place that I can breathe in ease and a calm that I wouldn't have, have believed possible. Everything else is still there. I still have cancer. I still have grief. And there is something else there now too. Both and. These are the words of someone willing to walk with God into the unknown. These are the words of someone willing to let two things face each other that just don't fit together. Like the look on that face in a baptism and cancer.
this is what our church is supposed to be about. This is what your faith is supposed to be about, that you can face anything just like her. She's by far my favorite space vampire. <laughs> the others were good too. They're all space vampires. But, but the idea of her getting into that water with that, just this is what we're supposed to do and this is what Jesus offers. That you stop making excuses because of your story or because you've already done it or because the last church hurt you or because this church hurt you or because I hurt you. And instead, you just dive into the relationship God wants to have with you. And guess what? Maybe this church or me, maybe that'll be what doesn't fit so beautifully next to this incredible love you still have for this place or the person at work that bothers you so much that you're supposed to invite. That's my hope. So read the adventure verse. See what God hands next to you. Think it's really weird that you're actually reading the Bible. Throw up, it doesn't fit together, and then think about a space vampire. And just do it anyways. Because this is what this beautiful place is going to be full of. People like us, loving people like us, and God getting credit for all of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in this room and every person watching. Together, God, they make up the fabric that you are weaving together for our city for the cities of those who are watching online. Every story, every piece of every background is all part of it, Lord, and you are creating the great orchestra, orchestra that brings the symphonic music to so many people who want to hear something other than their own loneliness. Thank you, God, for the melody you're going to build with these lives. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though... Even though we don't fit together, may you do what you do while we dive into your word and go where you want to bring us. We thank you. We lift this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys, for coming. Don't forget to look up the adventure verse and uh, join in. We'll see you next week.